Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. You know that we originally air as a radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn, so if you want to hear the freshest episodes of Famous Dead People the day they come out, well, you got to check out Radio Free Brooklyn every Monday at 3 p.m. You're about to hear the episode where I interview 20th century English playwright Noel Coward and former president Martin Van Buren. It was a fascinating talk. Uh, don't forget to go out and buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is uh, me making fun of Kellyanne Conway for like 140 pages, and it is hilarious. You should check that out now. Hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org if you want to have your favorite favorite famous dead person on the show. We'll do that for you, you know, because we're uh, we're good people here at Famous Dead People. Uh, also, check out my website, jarrettbernstein.com, for all the latest updates and information. And we're going to have some really cool Famous Dead People-related videos happening on my YouTube channel, so keep your eyes peeled for that, and, uh, you know, tell your friends about the podcast. We want to get more listens. We want to we wanna get some serious numbers so that people will go, oh, man, we heard that this is a dope show. All right, so now, enjoy the episode. Martin Van Buren, fucking, uh, you know, Noel Coward on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous dead people, people you know. Famous dead people, famous dead people. The story stuck in the head. You're gonna hear awful phony, even though all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are eighth president of the United States, Martin Van Buren. Hello, wonderful to be here, and may I just say, it is an absolute privilege, I imagine, for you. Uh, yeah, you know, it absolutely is. Um, and uh, also, we have 20th century English playwright, Noel Coward. Hello. Um, uh, Sir Coward, Mr. President, thank you so much for joining us here on Famous Dead People. Well, it's, it's absolutely my pleasure to be here. Uh, so I'd like to start off with uh, you, Sir Coward, if you, if you don't... I, I hope you're not offended. It sounds like such an insult to say... Sir Coward, you know, but like, but you are, you're a knighted (laughs) individual, you know. Not at all, it I perfectly understand. It did seem like not at all impressed by a sir when you're a former president. Um, It's a totally fair thing to say. I don't think anybody would argue that president is a higher station than, uh, you know, just a knighted individual. You know, there are so so many more knights. You know, and thank you, Noel, for not being offended by that. Seems like you're taking this really well. Well, you know, uh, I'm here to have a bit of fun, as I hope we all are. Yeah, yeah, let's have a good time today, you know? Respect and deference when it's due. So now, Mr. (laughs) Sir Coward, you are an icon Mm -hmm. of theater. Your work continues to be produced all over the world. Mm Um, I'd like to start off by I've asking, never heard of this man. Uh, you've never heard of Noel Coward? I've never heard of Noel Coward. President Van Buren? I find that very surprising. Do you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, obviously his work wasn't uh, available at the time that you were alive, but surely uh, now... I've you... caught up and I'm still not familiar. <laughs> okay, not a theater person then, I guess. Uh, not, an old, not an old coward person. Oh, I well. see. Okay, well, you know, we can get into that later if you well, like. Well, we're coming in hot. So... so <laughs> Uh, but I wanted to ask you, uh, Sir Coward, about your uh, first acting job. Mm-hmm. So according to the Wikipedia, your first professional acting job came from an advertisement in a local paper for, quote, a talented boy of attractive appearance. Is that correct? Yes, you know, and I thought, well, that's me. Yes. I was 
a talented boy, mm-hmm. and I was of an attractive appearance. So I, I thought, here we go, cheerio, bing yeah. boom, and I got the part, and I did it, and it was wonderful, simply wonderful. But, no, I, uh, that sounds great. That, that's the story that I got mm. from Wikipedia. What I wanted to ask you about it was: that, was that a common way to find actors back then? A talented boy of attractive appearance. I don't want to be too. Um, I don't know. Uh, well, inflammatory. But it that- was a little different than they do it today. Today, there's a, sort of a, a trade newspaper or mm-hmm. a website or something you go to. But in, yeah. in my day, simply, if you were looking for an actor or some form of talent, you would simply write down what you were looking for on a scrap of paper and yeah. you'd throw it out of the wind and just <laughs> now, trust that in, eventually. In my day in the United States, mm-hmm. there was a man named Craig. Craig and he he had a list hmm. that he would send oh, out weekly, looking for young boys. Different way that you would cast hmm. in uh sort of like post revolutionary war America, correct? With a a carrier pigeon, a list that a, a list. man named Craig, Craig provided, and that was how people got their acting jobs. Correct. Interesting. I and I, I uh you know I, I hate to ask this. It seems such hmm. like um an inflammatory question, but do you know if that's how? Famous actors from that era found their parts. Like, for example, you know, um, there were certain John, parts that they found. John Wilkes Booth, maybe John is that Wilkes how he started? Booth. His did he get his acting work off of this Craig's list that it you're talking about? It is possible. It, it is very possible. Wow, that's incredible. I I, I can't wait to look that up and, and see if I can confirm that. But I think the the question that I had, uh, Sir Coward, it just seems a little suspicious. In 2018, if I saw an ad for a boy of attractive appearance, I would be wary. And as a parent, I would probably would try to keep my Why? kid away Why, from Why, Jared? It. Why would you be wary? Are you with me on this, President Van Buren? Doesn't it seem like a little bit of a it's sketchy? Seems, answer the that, question, a Jared. Why would you be wary? Suspect. Uh, because, so here's the thing. Um, if, I'm look, if you're looking for a child actor today... Did you doubt my... Childish talent? No, or absolutely good not. Good looks? No, absolutely not. I must I'm, admit, I'm baffled. I'm <laughs> baffled. I guess. I guess the thing that I'm worried, like, let's say that there's an ad in the paper for mm. like hot eighteen-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Like, do you see why that would be suspicious? Like, that would be a thing that maybe hmm. a parent wouldn't want their child to go do. Or let's say even worse. Well, like, by the age of eighteen, a, a young woman should have at least four children. I don't understand. <laughs> Your problem with uh, Mr. This President, I appreciate you, um, uh, I, uh, your perspective uh, hmm. of the 1800s. Um, but surely, that's my perspective of 2018. Really? So you, you continue to have that those these ideals, absolutely. even though we're in the future now. Oh, Mr. President, absolutely. Were you by any chance a Republican? I was not. Mm, well, uh, not by what we would call our today's standards. They kind of had different parties back then. Uh, from what I understand, it was the, the Whigs were coming around back then, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, they also had the, uh, the, the Democratic Republicans was one party, and yes. the Federalists was the other party. So confusing. It so is. many things to keep track of. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess that's not, um, uh, you know, not uh, something that, you, that raised an eyebrow. Back in your day was looking for talented boy of attractive appearance. Well, I think that you know you you wanted uh, you wanted something specific and you asked for it. Okay. You know, it was sort of uh, yeah, you want totally a young fair. man of talent and attractive appearance. We don't want all those young men of talent with lumpish looks and 
you know, boxy frames. We want someone light. If and you're looking for perky. an uggo, say you're looking for an uggo. Hey, well, yeah, that's, that's there's no need to be cruel, Jared. Okay, that's fair. No need to be cruel, old boy. Pip, pip, what? So that role was for a play called Where the Rainbow Ends. Yes. And I know it was when you were a child, but do yes. you remember anything about the play Where the Rainbow Ends, your first professional acting Well, appearance. I had never met a leprechaun before, and there simply was... It was rotten with leprechauns. So the play was rotten with leprechauns. Yes. Okay. Real acting. leprechauns. Real fresh leprechauns. out of Ireland, yes. And, <laughs> you know, I was not quite prepared mm. for the mischief those rascals brought okay. to the backstage environs. They had hired leprechauns to be in the production. Well, I don't know the details of the contracts, Jerry. That's That's a bit out of the... You just, it's That's not fair. quite cricket. That's fair. Now, I'm, I'm about sorry contract. to jump in here, but okay. when I was president mm-hmm. and I took over for my good friend Andrew Jackson, yes. he believed that the best measure was to take leprechauns and move them across the country. <laughs> just, and he, so, so you're saying that if had Andrew Jackson had a problem with leprechauns yes. uh, mixing with the general American public, mm. his position would have been just move them. Just no, not them would have there. been. It, it was. Oh, it was. It I was. Didn't, I didn't realize this was a so problem. For, in forgotten part of history. The 1800s, there was a problem mm-hmm. with leprechauns in America. Oh, a huge problem. What was the issue exactly? Like, what, the what was issue difficult? was that they were taking our jobs <laughs> and our gold. <laughs> they were taking Americans' gold. Mm. Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, I and didn't... that contributed to an economic collapse. Oh, yes. This is the one that plagued mm-hmm. your administration. Mm-hmm. You know what? That actually stands to reason. I would lo- let's swing back to that later on in the interview. But what I wanted to ask you, uh, if, if we could switch over to you for just a moment, uh, Mr. President. Of course. Um, you know, from reading your Wikipedia, it seems like you were always very political, uh, even mm-hmm. before you were old enough to vote. Even as a young, attractive boy. <laughs> as a young... Is that how you would describe yourself back then also? Absolutely. And as an attractive man, you've seen my photo. Oh, yes. Not a bad-looking dude. I mean, the 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 facial hair is a little mm. bit um, uh, oh, dated, awesome. I would say. Oh. It's a little dated, I think. Mm. You have the kind of big... It's, it, it is awesome. I, I mean, I, I think would, I would submit precise. Jared, mm-hmm. that in this very neighborhood in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. there's a man within 100 feet who has that same facial hair. I concur. That's fair. That is 100% fair. And I think that I would have the same opinion about that mm. facial hair that I have about yours, which is very impressive, maybe a little bit Thank dated. You. That's what I would say. Anyways, so, so you get a job uh, as a lawyer. Yes. The law office of a man named Peter Sylvester, mm-hmm. uh, who was a prominent federalist. Um, but you were a Democratic Republican at the time, which was your dad's party. Yes. Um, and this caused some tension between you and your boss, this uh, Mr. Peter Sylvester. Is that correct? That is uh, absolutely correct. But no. the, the main issue with Peter Sylvester is that he never provided breakfast. Hmm. Interesting. And at the office that we worked at, we would be expected to be there very early, mm-hmm. six in the morning. No breakfast. No breakfast provided. No breakfast. And this was a bigger source of tension than the fact that you that you belong to rival political parties. Oh, absolutely. This is interesting. In, in the Wikipedia, it says that he then then suggests that you go work for a different mm. law firm that actually matches your political beliefs. But you're saying that this issue was no breakfast. No, no, no. The truth of the matter is that I suggested that I go to a different law firm where they provided not only breakfast, but brunch. Oh, interesting. 
Would you guys do, because I'm not that familiar with mm. 1800s America, as I didn't know about the leprechaun problem. Mm-hmm. So um, w- w- would you guys do brunch during the weekdays? Because I feel like we do brunch now just on the weekends. We would sometimes work on weekends. Oh, okay. And on those occasions, there would be times when there would be both breakfast foods mm-hmm. and lunch foods. Interesting. And, you know, of course, bottomless mimosas, uh, Bloody Marys uh, and Marias, depending. Yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. I mean, this is before the Union established the... Sorry, what, what, what is a Bloody Maria? Oh, Sir Coward. You're not familiar with Bloody Marias? No, it's, I'm it shocked it, by this. I, I <laughs> no coward but struck me as a man who would have brunch every day. I would figure that you knew every sort of fun cocktail that there was. That was your persona. Well, you were, I must confess, I thought I did. Yeah, Bloody Marie is, is the same as a Bloody Mary, but instead of tequila, instead of vodka, you use tequila. Oh well, that hmm. doesn't count. <laughs> what do you mean it doesn't count? Well, I mean, why you just to give it a different name? I mean, it's, it's yeah. like. I mean, you could change it for whatever uh, for whatever alcohol you choose to put in there. I mean, that's like taking a one of your hamburgers. <laughs> okay. And instead of ground beef, you have something a slightly saucy, like ground lamb, and calling it something totally different, like a lamb burger. Well, I, <laughs> it's a bit on the nose, but yes, I mean, really. That's... Well, we do this all the time. Like, we take the croissant and we turn it into a croissant sandwich. You know, we. Uh... Well, yeah, it's hardly a new thing. I mean, that's. The uh, the cronut, for example. There's another example. All right. This yeah. is not a fight I'm going to win. I can <laughs> see gonna, that. You're not I'm gonna, outnumbered here. Not willing to die on this mountain. Yes, well. um, I, in some ways, consider myself the, the cronut of politicians. Ooh, I was very, I was hmm. uh, different parts of, of different groups at various times. That Does is that explain true. the T-shirt that you're wearing? Mm-hmm. Oh, the yeah. The T-shirt yeah, that talk, I'm wearing. Talk, talk, about, talk to us about this T-shirt. Uh, it is a T-shirt with a picture of a man who I've come to know as Bob Marley. <laughs> So I remember, I recognize the Bob Marley, but what, I guess mm. what I'm curious about is that he's saying all lives matter, which I think is what yes. Noel Coward and was, eating. Well, I didn't know what he was eating, to. but apparently it's a cronut, is it not? Is that? <laughs> I thought there's just that a lot going on there, I and thought, I wanted to unpack it. A bit. I thought your point, Noel Coward, was that the shirt is like a bunch of different political beliefs, the same way that. Uh, Martin Van Buren yes, was well, a bunch to be of honest, I, I no, didn't really no, know no. what and I mean. I wasn't driving it. It's just there's a lot going on, and I wanted to talk about but it. But you've, you've only seen the front of the show. Oh, oh, oh what's on the back? Of the on the back, show, it's show. all lives matter mm-hmm. on the front, and on the back it says parentheses except for leprechauns. Ooh, interesting. That is it's that eat. is bold. You know, we had a we had a busy bouillabaisse, and you just threw like five more ingredients in. That is bold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, I'm I'm glad that we got the, to the uh, to the to the straight dope on this. Uh, this uh, law firm that you used to work for. I'm very glad as well. We So you were originally describing yourself as a handsome young boy. Yes. Um, that's not how you got the job at the law firm also. Like, it wasn't a similar no, advertisement. No, no, no. Okay, I just wanted to check on that. That would have been... Um, I, I would have been... Craig told me about it personally, but it oh, wasn't really? part of his list. Oh, so, like, you guys were friends, and he we was were like... Friends. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know about like this mm-hmm. little secret thing. I say there's nothing like yes. a bit of good old nepotism. Nepotism. It mm. really does make the world go round. <laughs> it gets poo-pooed, but I think frankly, don't you want a, a person to person handoff like that? Don't you really like if you're looking for a roommate? Mm-hmm. Don't okay. you want somebody a friend of yours knows? Like it's really. I do think that that interpersonal I connection can don't help. Don't think that's nepotism. Uh, oh, no, am yeah, I that's just, that's misusing just you, the word? That's I just thought... who you know, Noel Coward. Oh, 
Nepotism well, is I've like, been beating myself up for all these. I know you, and I know you, but you're my friend's kid, so I'm going to take you. So, instead. what is nepotism? Is that when one has sex with a dead person? <laughs> what is it? What are we doing? Jesus, Noel Coward. What? 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 What did they it's, say? No, that's a uh, necrophilia. Oh, Noel well, that's close. I mean, it's a similar. <laughs> if no? you're uh, if you're just joining us, this is famous dead no, people I'm on Radio Free Brooklyn, and uh, my guests today are. 20th century English playwright, Noel Coward. Ha, and 8th president of the United States, Martin Van Buren. Hello. Um, let's go back to uh, Noel Coward for just a moment. Uh, so uh, there wasn't really a performance background in your family. You mm. grew up relatively poor. Yeah. Uh, the Wikipedia describes your father as a piano salesman who lacked ambition. Does that ring true for you, that your father was a not an ambitious man? You know, I, 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 I just... Let me sidebar for a moment about mm-hmm. Wikipedia. Okay. That's rather cheeky. I, what? You know, <laughs> the, 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 oh, mention that? his father was a piano salesman who lacked ambition. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Lacked ambition. How do you? They didn't, I assure you, whoever wrote that did not know my father. He was a wonderful man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, you know, uh, being the most proficient piano salesman was not... The most important thing in his life. Everybody defines success differently. He you had know? a certain joie de vivre mm. that I think... I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means a joy de vivre. Mm-hmm. Uh, and zest for life, if mm. you will. Ah, yeah. Or that, yes. I think it's French or Swiss, <laughs> something. But uh, yes, you know, so he was a piano salesman. He mm-hmm. just had one piano. And he would sell it again and again. Ooh, interesting. Yes, and it, you know it wasn't a it, it wasn't the most effective business model, mm. unfortunately. So yes, we were quite poor, and I had one pair of shoes, and they were both left shoes. Ooh, that and is rough. Yes. Hard to dance. Yes, terribly mm-hmm. hard to dance. But uh, you know, it uh, it was a, a lovely life, and uh, certainly once I got on stage and met the leprechauns, things took turn for the more exciting mm-hmm. that, and yeah. colorful. Totally understandable. Um, and so then you eventually transition yes. from acting, straight acting, into playwriting. Yes. Uh, oh, first... I, I thought you meant the other sort of transition that I've <laughs> come to be aware of in these modern in, uh, times. Time? What's that? Oh, transitioning from a man into a woman. Is is What's I this? think I think what Mister what President Van Buren was was hinting at. Some leprechaun <laughs> magic. No, no, it's just science and technology that we've developed today. And you just what are you talking? You must tell me everything. No, uh, I refuse to believe that you have not heard of transitioning. Transitioning people from a who man? are trans. Is this uh, part of the Marvel comics? No, it is not. This is transgendered individuals, people who grow up feeling more like a man than a woman, or vice versa, and decide to change their bodies into that other thing. Let's be a hundred percent clear. I want to make sure that your shock is not. Any sort of condemnation, because here on the what? show, no, no. we obviously all support no, it. No, 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 and I don't want to speak out of school. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that such a thing in my time uh, was not a thing. Um, I mean, scientifically, it was. if it was a thing, I'm sure that it was not as efficient or safe as it is today. I regret having brought this up. <laughs> I'm just trying to get my head around it. No, I, you know, I have nothing but. Uh, there was that movie with respect. Eddie Redmayne where he was transitioning into a woman. Um, I forget mm. what it was called. The Theory of Everything. No, that's not it. That was the one that where. That was quite good. It was mm. a great movie, but that was where he was transitioning into being a man with a debilitating disease, ah. taking over his body. Ah, yes. Um, oh, yes. yes. No, this is one where he was like. Discar- oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, Caitlyn Jenner. Give me. You know. I didn't have a cup of coffee this morning, mm. and I think my 
brain is slightly confused about words. I still feel bad about the necrophilia <laughs> thing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all gobbledygook. There do seem to be some really weird pockets where okay, of, yes, of yes, 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 missing yes, yes, here. Yes, 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 yes. But listen, I, I'm it. on the same page now. It's all cricket from here on out. Neither here nor there. Let's go back to uh, President uh, Van Buren for just a moment. Uh, so you were extremely successful in local and state politics. I was. Uh, you decided to enter the national political er- arena just as the era of good feelings starts. Absolutely. Uh, which was the time Coincided in, with disco. Uh, I'm sorry, what? The era of good feelings. Mm-hmm. Was the, was, it coincided with the rise of disco. Absolutely. In, your, in the 1800s. Yes. Really? I find that very hard to believe, but let me... Well, Pre-disco. Let, let's loop back into that. Um, so according to the Wikipedia, the era of good feelings is the time directly after the War of 1812 where the nation shared a desire for unity and political parties started to dissolve. Is that correct? Is that uh, your I would say that's understanding fair. of the era of good I feelings? I would say that's fair. And there was music, though. I'm, there was music. Disco music. Is that what you're saying? There was. This is your assertion. My memory of it was that mm-hmm. there were... Funky beats okay. bringing the country together. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's no record of that, but I mean, if you say so. Um, but my question is, there are some historians who say that it was called the era of good feelings sarcastically because there were still a lot of strained and divisive political energies at the time. Can you tell us once and for all, like, was the political climate during the era of good feelings, was it positive or was it even more like infighty and tensiony? I would say that the era of good feelings was simply that. Mm. It was a, a, a time of great joy, mm-hmm. of, of great uh, great happiness, okay. of no fighting Walk us whatsoever. Through. Walk Unless us you through. were a leprechaun. Unless you were a leprechaun. Unless you were a leprechaun. <laughs> In which case, Andrew Jackson, get these fucking leprechauns out of my goddamn country. I say, chaps, have some blankets and off you go. they <laughs> Into line with you. Back to Ireland. Well, it, it from was much came. easier to herd them given their small stature. Yes, that's right. Very, very small. They, but they are, you know, notoriously wily and uh, mischievous creatures. Yes, so you've I can see how that would be. Keep one eye on a leprechaun. At Jared. least one. Keep one eye on them. Uh, walk us through a day, though, in the era of good feelings political the, the political world in the I would feelings. love to yeah. so let's let us say we're we're in the the senate chambers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wake up mm-hmm. okay in the senate chambers mm-hmm. okay yeah we Day would has have to start all somewhere. we would have all nighters there okay mm-hmm. wake up breakfast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. small talk mm-hmm. wonderful brunch Ooh, mm-hmm. excellent small talk mm-hmm. lunch mm-hmm. Ooh, a lot of meals like a hobbit sign a bill mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. everyone agreed wonderful well, dinner Mm-hmm. Okay. Sign another bill. Mm-hmm. Oh. Snacks. Go to sleep. Wow. And that was that was uh That, that was, was every months, day between eighteen thirteen mm-hmm. and eighteen thirty-five. Wow. That that's the, the it seems like so so idyllic almost uh you know, it was. It, it doesn't sound like a terribly busy day, but if you think <laughs> that the government could achieve signing two bills mm. a day <laughs> In when you zoom out, mm-hmm. it's a golden age indeed. I mean, what a productive time. Yeah, if only political parties could get along like that today. Yes. If only there were... Yes. No debate. Big, just, mm, no debate at all. Sign just a bill. sign it. They called Quick it the, vote, all eyes. Error of good feelings, because they all got along. They all were on the same page. That does sound lovely. That does sound really nice. You could get so much done for mm. the country. 
Wow. It was a wonderful time. Mm. Well, that is um, uh, that is wonderful to hear. And thank you for uh, for uh, settling the debate on that. Of course. Um, so going back to uh, Sir Coward for just a moment. Yes. Uh, your first play, once you decided mm-hmm. to make to dip your toes into the playwriting mm-hmm. uh, arena, mm-hmm. uh, was called I'll Leave It to You, and it had some modest success. Mm-hmm. Then you go back to acting mm-hmm. for a play called The Night of the Burning Pestle, which the Wikipedia mm. says... You're just reading this now, aren't you? Was that, well, there's a question in okay. here. I'll yeah. get there eventually. I'm okay. sorry to interrupt. Did you say um, the Night of the Burning Pesto? No, the Night of the Burning Pestle. Although it's interesting, uh, I had intended it to be the Burning Pesto. Oh, it's, Are you familiar with pesto? Yes. It's a lovely Italian it dish. It is mm. you take delicious. basil, I think, mm-hmm. and garlic and olive oil. Pine nuts. Ah, yes. So and some pine nuts pine in there, nuts. too. Sometimes you can make it... With walnuts. That is true. It's delicious both ways. <laughs> Delightful. In fact, I don't remember a single day during the period of good feelings where we didn't have pesto. Oh. Are you serious? Golden age I'm indeed. I find that so hard to believe. Serious. Wow. It's good on anything. <laughs> anyway, it was supposed to be the burning pesto because, of mm. course, you're making a lovely dinner for your friends, and what's that smell? Oh no, you the burn pesto! The drama's the inherent in the, in the. But they, it's a typo, and so you just have to run with it. I mean, at the time, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the first line was, um, oh no, it's the sound of the burning pesto, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it was clearly pesto, and uh, my lead actor, Sir Bernard Tree, misunderstood the line and said pestle Ugh. and from there on then of course the reviewers were all there and they wrote it wrong and we Actors. just had to change the whole thing I mean I love Bernie Tree but mm-hmm. he was a bit of a uh, I can understand that uh, not I don't know perhaps he was kicked in the head by a horse mm-hmm. or something he just he was like with me with the words today it was like that all the time with Bernie oh, so anyway so yes burning pestle it doesn't make any sense when you think about it what's a burning pestle uh, yeah what I don't does know. that even mean? Yeah, I think all three of us are I haven't heads on the this. slightest idea. So, but one does what one must with the cards that one has dealt. Anyway, mm-hmm. what was the question? Uh, I well, did I that, and then what did I do? Well, I read that that experience of acting in The Night of the Burning Pestle. Yes. Um, Please it, say pesto. You did <laughs> <laughs> The Night of the Burning Pesto, original title, uh, that you did not enjoy it, and that was one of the reasons why you decided to well, yes, because they off into from, writing. From day one. And they had butchered the entire the, the entire look, if the dramatic spine of mm. the piece is that the pesto is burning and pesto becomes nonsense I mean, it it, 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 it it makes literally no sense. And I was forced to continue the entire run under this charade that it had become the because my idiot I don't mean to be, did you oh, feel God like bless a, you, Bernie, but you did really cock that up. Did you really think that, that that by transitioning to playwriting, you would be able to stop issues like this from occurring yes. in the future? Oh, yes, precisely. I but, see. you know, it's your life uh, you know, Noel, I gives you leavens. I ran into a similar situation when uh, it's it's been called the, the Trail of Tears. Mm, yes. <laughs> it's, it's misquoted. It was the Trail of Cheers. They loved it. Shut really? Well, see, up. now that is a mistake. They Pesto it. to pestle is literally like out of the frying pan into the Dali painting. It I, just makes mm, no sense. We, I'm sorry, that we, is a polar opposite. We are going to have to take a break soon, but I really want to get into that. You're saying that the Trail of Tears was actually called the Trail of Cheers because Absolutely. all the Native Americans were removed. No, the leprechaun. Oh, I see. 
Now, I think this might be... Very uh, giddy bunch. I think this might be a lost in they translation sort of a were. thing. Because when we talk about the Trail of Tears, we are, of course, referring to the Native Americans ah. who were forced out of their lands. Ah, and many died, of ah, course, and it was a terrible hardship on them. Um, and so I'm guessing that what you thought was just a mistranslation is actually two separate incidences. Hmm. That might be possible. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, you know, before we go to a break, um, let's, uh, let me ask you, President Van Buren, about a couple of the nicknames that you got once you moved into national sure. politics. Oh, good. I like that. Uh, what is the story behind your nickname, The Little Magician? Well, I, at the risk of being, uh, too on the nose here. Okay. I uh, was a man very small in stature. Yes, short man. And an attractive young boy. Of course. And in those years. We get it. I <laughs> had a series of card tricks that I would do with my friends and then into my political days to break the ice. Oh, interesting. So would you do this while you were, uh, say, in the Senate and uh, air of good feelings? You're... In those overnight, all-night sessions in the Senate, mm -hmm. I would sometimes bring out the deck of cards. I would ask another senator to pick a card, any card. Mm -hmm. Any, any invariably, card. <laughs> invariably, the card that I had had chosen or that they had chosen would be the one that I had hiding in my uh, in yes, the back see, of my pantaloons. It's a pretty Jared, good trick. Yeah. I think I've seen that one before. You really never really give up control. Well, like I had one beard. where I would hide it in my beard. Ooh, interesting. Oh, That's probably excellent. why excellent. you had it. Besides I never it shaved yes. for that reason. Interesting. Wow, that is... I mean, we have another nickname that I wanted to ask you about, but we do have to take a short break. And then ask me about mine. And, oh, I can't wait to hear about your nickname, uh, No Coward. So, so we'll be right back on Famous Dead People with President Van Buren's new nickname, No Coward's new nickname, Stay With Us. Hey everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts, rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends, all that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, also check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JaredBarrington.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are 20th century English playwright Noel Coward. Hello. And former president, eighth president of the United States, Martin Van Buren. Wonderful to be here. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we were just going over uh, President Van Buren's nicknames. We talked about the little magician because he was... Literally, just a tiny man and also a magician. But you That's also had right. a nickname, Sly Fox. Hmm. Can you tell us the story behind the nickname Sly Fox? I would be happy to tell you the story about the nickname Sly Fox. It sounds to most people like it would be a negative connotation. Or, like, Frankly, like it sounds like right out of the Brothers Grimm, really. It's mm. like, 
you know, the little magician, the sly fox, yes. the dark forest full of leprechauns. I don't know. I'm, no. I'm not <laughs> my just, finest work, but we're you just know, we're spitballing. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so please elucidate us. Absolutely. The, the fox part came from the fact that when I was young, I had bright red hair, mm. Mm. red like a fox. Yes. And the sly part came from the fact that I never once told the truth. Interesting. How would one know that whether you never once told the truth? How could that we be sure was right why now? It was such an effective technique. Hmm. If you never tell the truth, hmm. in some ways, you only tell the truth. Interesting. Right. I, it's right. almost like a philosophical yes. Uh, yes. Uh, paradox, yes. you know? It's it's um the, the mind world like the Richard yes. Nixon style like the mad, I am the not mad man. a crook yes <laughs> uh, yes I mean it's a little because of course the... he was a crook I yes. think uh, but so we were going to ask you about your nickname as well Noel yes Coward. yes what yes. was yours which is your favorite oh don't isn't it in the Wikipedia I didn't see any nicknames in Wikipedia well maybe I something was... Wikipedia <laughs> didn't get right we had time enough to trash talk your dad for Absolutely. not being ambitious but not enough to I, write down your goddamn nicknames I frankly am going to write an angry letter <laughs> so yeah what was one of your nicknames well I used to be called uh, Shouting Pete <laughs> because I used to walk about shouting at everyone but why Pete then that's not even I close to you I don't know it's possible that I looked very similar to a neighbor of mine. P.T. Carmichael. P.T. Carmichael. And that it was simply a matter of confusion. They mm. looked at me and they thought that I was little P.T. Gotcha. But gotcha. Uh, truth be told, you know, one doesn't know with the nickname always. Sometimes it's just the mood. You know, someone calls you a name and it sticks. Mm-hmm. Shouting Pete. Boy, that, that takes me back. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's move on to your first major success as a playwright. You wrote a play in 1924 called The Vortex. Yes. And according to Wikipedia, the plot of The Vortex was about, it was about a nymphomaniac socialite. Yes. And now, a nymphomaniac, <laughs> just to clarify, is someone who sleeps with dead people. No, that is, again, necrophilia. Close. Yes. Mm. The they, they, to, be, to be technical, they are not mutually exclusive. What? Oh, mm. yeah, you could be but a... But they are technically different. You, you could be a nymphomaniac, necrophiliac. Right. It's, not either, it's not either or, but that doesn't mm. come into the, to the vortex. Anyway, please continue. So, yeah, so, yeah, so nymphomaniac is somebody who yes. is addic- has a sex addiction. Yes. Uh, and she has a cocaine-addicted son. Yes. So this was the... Uh, uh, the Wikipedia doesn't say if it was a comedy or a tragedy, so... Well, what do you think, uh, It sounds like a tragedy to sounds me. Sounds like a comedy sounds, to old Marty. It's actually dark. Shall I spoil it for yes, you? Yes, please. Bit of both. Oh, wow. Bit mm. of both. A dramedy, yes. as they say. Well, you know, because isn't life quite the roller coaster? Yeah. What, if things get bad and one has to laugh. Mm-hmm. But this sounds really scandalous for the time that it was made. Yes. A Ooh, nymphomaniac socialite. Mm, yes. Wow. And this is actually going to lead into my next question for you, uh, President Van Buren. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so how, how do the audience react to such uh, inflammatory material at the time. Oh, they were absolutely scandalized. <laughs> yes, they loved it. They gobbled it up. People would leave seeing that, having seen the, the play, they would leave the theater and immediately buy tickets for the next show. Really? They yes. just had to come see it again. Oh, we couldn't keep the, we couldn't keep enough, you know, we we literally had the actors do it again. Again, we'd say it. <laughs> and uh, eventually they, they revolted. Mm-hmm. And, what was uh, one of the things that happened in the play with this uh, nymphomaniac socialite and her cocaine-addicted son. Well, there was a confrontation. Ooh, where they, where they talked? Yes. They, they got into it. Yes, yes, because she 
was a bit of a hypocrite, you see. Okay. And that was one of the delicious things about her character is uh, she, she couldn't see her own faults. Mm. But, uh, you know, she was horribly difficult on her son, which is part of the reason, of course, why he was an addict in the first place. Mm. Uh, you know, so, so, so there they are at the kitchen table. He's halfway through a bottle of gin. She has been nipping at the rye, and she comes in and she accuses him. You are a cocaine addict. And he says, well, at least, mother, I do not sleep with half the town. And <laughs> that might be the best dialogue I have ever heard. The house would come down. Wow. People would lose their minds. I guess this was riveting. Yes. Riveting. I, I want to see that again. It was again. three and a half hours of this. I don't think you should do it again, but it, it I, I understand an audience wanting to buy tickets immediately for the next production. Well. It's got that's that's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> that's the juice, me. right if you can, there. If you if you can catch the next available production of, of the, vortex. the vortex, yeah, that is incredible. Um, let's Plus, say, there's a huge vortex. Wait, I'm sorry, there's an actual vortex in the oh, show. Yes. I mean, what do you think? I'm going to promise something like that in the title and not deliver? Absolutely, that, that was like a metaphor. You have to watch the show. You have to sit all the way through it till you get to the good stuff. See the but vortex trust me, the it's. Worth it. Thought it was metaphor more than oh, anything. Oh yes, you'll thank me later. Let's uh, let's pivot over to uh, President uh, Van Buren for just a moment, because uh, so you're Secretary of the State, a little bit. Uh, during the Jackson administration, and you are a key player in my favorite presidential scandal of mm. all time, the Petticoat Affair, yes. uh, <laughs> in which the wives Ooh. in the Jackson administration ostracized. The wife of the Secretary of War, Peggy Eaton, because that she because they thought she was a slut and uncouth. Yes. And one of the ways that you rose to power was by aligning yourself with the Eatons. And so I'm wondering, I want to know all about this. You know, did you really like Peggy Eaton and her husband, or did you just do this for political gain? Was this just one of the sly foxes? I, this ties in perfectly. I felt that Peggy Eaton was in fact a cocaine-addicted <laughs> nymphomaniac. Wow. Having said that, mm. it was very important for me to align myself with the Eatons yes, for political purposes. Mm. So you were you were really did agree with everybody that Peggy Eaton was a, a slut. I did. And the origin mm. of that name is that they took... It was actually the first blacklight. They took it to her petticoat... Mm. And it looked very much like a constellation. Well, here you know, I do this. This the petticoat affair. I I believe that uh, Peggy Eaton coined the term "Eaton ain't cheating." <laughs> that, I think that's that where it did. comes from. That she did. She was. I wish I had written the petticoat affair. What a scandal! <laughs> so delicious. Peggy, I, I wish I should write that. Actually, real progressive and not a bad writer too. That is a that is that slogan. People are all about it. Yeah, so so they take a they take a black light to Peggy Eaton's petticoat. Looks like a constellation, yes. thereby proving Jackson Pollock yes. painting. I think Jackson Pollock, if you Absolutely. will, absolutely Andrew Jackson Pollock. So I wanted to ask you. There's this uh, there's this <laughs> cabinet meeting that uh, Andrew Jackson holds because he's he's tired of all the infighting over Peggy Eaton's wife, and he gets everybody together and he tries. Peggy Eaton was the wife. Oh yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, uh, 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 John Eaton's wife, Peggy, yes. uh, and he gets all the cabinets cabinet guys together to try to. Prove that she is not a giant whore. Were you at that cabinet meeting? I, I wasn't I, able to find it. I was at that cabinet meeting. Okay. Have you ever, Jared, seen the film Twelve Angry Men? Yes. Yes. Love this. This was nothing like that. <laughs> we had scones. We chatted. We had 
coffee, we had drinks. The whole thing was set upon by the women. You know how women are. Oh, I mean, yes, but also there's a reason they call we don't say things like that anymore. I see. I understand what you're getting Mm. at. Um, they wanted to tear Peggy down, and we all wanted to have sex with our wives. The men in the room were the ones trying to throw cold water on it. The women yes. were trying to turn it into an episode of The Real Housewives of Washington, D.C. I see. Absolutely. That makes sense. Uh, so, but, so were you in that meeting still playing the part of somebody who who believes that uh, Peggy Eaton is an upstanding woman. In, in that meeting, I said, gentlemen, let me level with you. Mm. We all know that Peggy Eaton is a dirty whore. But for the sake of the country, we need to put our differences aside, mm. burn the petticoat if we must, and move on. Wow. And and what was the reaction in the room to, to that I would say a slow and increasingly <laughs> thunderous applause, the I'm likes not. of which I have not seen before. The or origin since. of the slow clap. Mm, wow, that Absolutely. is popularized impressive. in eighties films. I have to ask this one last question because, as I said, this is my favorite presidential uh, scandal. Um, More so than the Teapot Dome scandal. Yes, I have, a, I have a follow-up question about your second favorite. Hundred <laughs> percent. But please continue. Uh, so, yeah, is it true that during that meeting, Andrew Jackson? Took his penis out. He did. That wasn't even my question. No, I but you're saying serious. that he did. Oh, well, then, then that. forget that I said No, anything. no. It's the, the cat's out of the bag. Did that really happen? The cat was out of <laughs> the bag. As it were. Yeah. <laughs> that was the Serve nickname. To speak. That was the nickname for everybody had for Andrew Jackson's uh, genitals. Uh, so, so you're saying that Andrew Jackson took his dick out at that meeting? That is exactly what I'm saying. Oh, my God. To what purpose? To what end? To get everyone to quiet down. <laughs> There was a lot of ranting and shouting and, and, and gnashing of teeth. Rancor. And you wouldn't believe it, but President Jackson, he whipped it out. He plopped it right on the table. Not a word. I, I, complete, I completely and utter believe silence. it. I completely Allow me it. to commend your use of the onomatopoeia. <laughs> he whipped it out. He plopped, plopped it on the it. table. You, you, you sir? Plop. Paint a picture. That is some good writing right there. Yeah, that is incredible. What I was going to ask was, did Andrew Jackson say she has the virtue of a saint? And then everybody laughed because they they really didn't believe that she was a virtuous woman. Well, he did say that. But when a man says that with his penis out, it doesn't carry the same sort of weight. Yes, 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 that is true. You kind of have to have your genitals in your pants if you want to, you know, declare that somebody is virtuous. Even today. (laughs) It's even in 2018. Uh, let's move back over to Noel Coward for just a moment. Oh, good. Um, so when the Second World War broke out, mm, yes. uh, you're in your 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're one of the most successful writers at the time. Well. Uh, you give up the theater and you start to work for the war effort. Yes. You ran the propaganda office in Paris and you famously said, quote, if the policy of His Majesty's government is to bore the Germans to death, I don't think we have the time. Is that right? Well, yes. So you did say this. Sure. What exactly was wrong with the propaganda that you were helping to produce that you thought it was too boring? Oh, Jared, so boring. You know, listen, World War II, dreadful time. Mm-hmm. Dreadful, dreadful. Of course. I, I certainly don't want to make light of it. But there are certain elements to writing stagecraft and holding the human in, you know, intellect and attention. You know, one must, there must be a certain sparkle. There must be a certain... 
Well, at a cocktail party, he was the, I mean, talk about a quip. He was a delightful man, mm. great fun. But, you know, when he got into this sort of barnstorming, uh, Bible thumping, I mean, that's not quite the right term. He didn't thump a Bible. But, you know, when he got rolling, it, you know, one could glaze over a bit. And mm-hmm. I, I strongly felt that this was not the time to glaze, but a time to, to, Feel the passion of the fight to incite. Gotcha. Precisely, that is the le mot juste. Can you give us an example of some propaganda that you tried to get out that they thought was too exciting or too too um, too too enticing that they wanted to tamp yes, tamp I, them I down? Yes, I will. I will give you, and and I will admit in advance that this this would not quite work. So I myself can admit that this wasn't. Quite, this was a, an early draft, it was as a it good were. Edit. It, it got was a nixed good edit. before I could polish it. You understand? Yes. But I do remember one. This was shortly after uh, uh, the firebombing that uh, the Germans had done. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, are we to stand for this incineration of our women, our children, our young lovers burnt to a crisp, unrequited, unconsummated? And they, they thought, well, you know. Spending no, a lot of time talking we, about whether or not you fucked these people. Is that, well, was that their criticism? Look, I, you know, there is a common, uh, we didn't have it at the time, but sex sells. Sex does Why sell. does it sell? It is not a banal comment. It's because it's the one thing that, well, one of a few things that everyone can relate so, to. You ju- just want to make something clear that the general gist of that speech was we don't want our women to die before we've had a chance to fuck them. Is well, that now, you it are. Sounds like Im- that's what you were saying. You are imposing genders. <laughs> no, I am saying, look, here's what I'm saying. I, and again, I confess, this needed work. Mm-hmm. It needed work. They put the kibosh I on disagree. Before. I think it's perfect. <laughs> well, thank you. I thank thought, you, Mr. President. I thought that the dialogue from the Vortex was the best I had heard until I heard you open your mouth. Wow. I think we've made beautiful Noel Coward fan War here. Uh, for those of you just joining us, you're listening to Famous Dead People on uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guests today are eighth president of the United States, Martin Van Buren. Wonderful to be here. And 20th century English playwright, Noel Coward. tally Yes. And so we were just talking about some of the propaganda that you had tried to give yes. to the British government, but they yes. wanted something boring instead. I, you know, I think it was a difference of opinion and mm. it was not my role to... Uh, you know, to make the decisions as to what tone. I was not the director. So what did they do instead? So you have this great speech prepared about, we don't want the Germans well, to... Well, I was center- working on it. I mean, you know, it was in progress. Well, we I'm getting rather... But what did, they, what did they do instead? Well, it was quite dry. I mean, I mm-hmm. think they got the message across. We cannot... You know, uh, we will fight them in the, the seas and the oceans. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Ah, that's all what... true, all true, and quite rousing that speech. Indeed, so the your way speech delivered. about let's have sex with people before they get bombed by Germany. Well, to summarize, into... mine was more focused on the dichotomy of of love and life Ooh. versus death. That's I see two it. 
concede to the Hun it's very poetic. would be to concede to death. Mm, and yes. so... The, but the, even if they die, that does not mean you can't still have sex <laughs> with them. Well, here we are again at Decrefilio, boy. But it doesn't quite sell on a poster. That is true. You know, That's I what mean, they I always think, say about necrophilia. Yes, it doesn't sell on a poster. It's a hard sell. And it's a niche market, let's be frank. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, and really you're then, then you're kind of making the Germans argument. I mean, the Nazis <laughs> were a nasty bunch. I don't know how much you know about them, sir, but... They were a nasty body. Big necrophilia. Unhappy, mm. unhappy, mm. vicious, you know, unimaginative. What? One of my favorite jokes. What, the shortest uh, book in human history is A Thousand Years of German Comedy. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pretty good one. <laughs> shortest, pretty good one. Yes, because they were humorless, humorless bastards. Some people would say, still today, not me. Big fan of German. Well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll, I'll refrain. I'm talking specifically about a particular generation of them. Oh, yes, 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 during the 40s. They were, mm, yeah, bad news. Uh, let's pivot back over to uh, President Van Buren for just a moment. So I was reading through some of the policy positions that you had uh, during your presidential administration. Uh, and one of the ones yes. that I found interesting was that you denied the application mm-hmm. of Texas for admission into the union. Yes. They were asking to be a state, and you said no. I That is correct. Okay. I felt they were simply too big. Too big of a state. Too big. Interesting. Oh, I thought you meant that the Texans themselves. Oh, no. Oh, too big. No, 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 the, no. State. the state. Oh, I see. That that does make more the sense. State. Why would that be an still, issue? they are quite big, aren't they? They, they do say Have you big. seen Texans? Many of them are quite large. They do say everything is bigger well, in Texas. My, Perhaps it's the hat. My concern was that if we allowed Texas into the Union, <laughs> we might then be forced to allow people from south of Texas into the union. Uh, uh, let's just call them <laughs> leprechauns. Oh wait! Now, oh dear! I, something. Uh, there's a, something very close to joy hold looping together for me here. Hold on a second, Mr. Uh, uh, President. Mr. President, are you saying that one of the reasons why you didn't want Texas as to be a state is yes. because then there would be more Mexicans? In America. I never said that. I never said that. So I'm going to describe something to you, and you tell me yes. if it is or is not I feel like, a leprechaun. I feel like okay. this description is going to be offensive just by itself. What? <laughs> I would never. Okay, so so am I describing a leprechaun? Go ahead. Uh, a sort of a mocha complexion. Oh, wow. What? No. <laughs> yes. I'm just, we're yes. painting a picture. Yes. Large brimmed hat with sort of festive zigzagged patterns. Green or might be. Okay. Uh, a sort of a, a you know a a a festive draping uh, over the shoulders that hangs down that to the knee. Sounds very sounds like much a like eating tortillas a and yes. similar. Yeah, this is. I think I'm beginning to see the problem here. <laughs> now, if I was to describe someone else to you, say about a foot and a half tall. Hmm. A bright red beard. Yes. A little green hat and buckled shoes. That sounds to me like a Mexican. <laughs> I see. I think I think we're getting to the root of the problem. You know what? I was a little worried that that was going to be offensive, but I think you skated around it very nicely, Noel Coward. Well, well done. You I would have just think... said, is a leprechaun somebody from Mexico? I thought that oh. would have been... You know, that would have been more direct. Getting around you, to uh, it. What would have been, but then... You've been doing this for a long time. That's why you're on that side. You know, of we're the, uh, almost yeah. at 100 episodes. Yes. Not trying to break. Oh, it's very hey, impressive. Cheers. Kudos. I can't believe uh, that you would want to keep Mexicans out of America, President Van Buren. Leprechauns. Well, 
I never said that explicitly. We've established that you considered Mexican people to be leprechauns. That was the word that you thought of them for. If you want to continue talking about them as leprechauns, we can do that. Yes. But I just want the listening audience to know that when we say leprechauns, we are meaning Mexicans. We are meaning people I from Mexico. I am not. <laughs> I mean leprechauns of the Irish variety. Yes, not, not no cowards. But we, we don't need to speak of that. What was the issue? Why did you want to keep leprechauns out of America? I felt that <laughs> they would come here and take our, our gold. Our gold. Our gold and gold. our jobs. Gotcha. I mean... And our jobs. You know, your, your, your administration, your t-shirt, you've described yourself as somebody who had, like, all sorts of different political beliefs. Mm-hmm. This does jibe well with that description. Yes. You are a man... And I stand by my decision. A rainbow of political opinions. I am, but not the sort of man who would use a, a rainbow flag. All right, now we just got one more on the conservative oh, right wing yeah. side of things. Yes, well, that is fascinating. But so, so let's go back to the um the the uh, the fact that it was just a big state. Yes. Uh, did you just think that America couldn't afford to have a big state like that in it at the time? I felt very strongly that the barbecue in Texas was not up to par. Oh, I see. Uh, don't let them hear you say that. Yeah, people in Texas are going to think that's the most offensive part yes. of this whole show. But literally all the rest of it. <laughs> it was completely like fine. water off a duck's back. They're going to wonder why we weren't more... The barbecue more... will start some fires. We're going to wonder why we weren't <laughs> so more descriptive speak. about that. <laughs> I also I that. should mention that one of my foes was a man from Texas who made very disparaging remarks about my facial hair. Ooh, interesting. So it Them's was personal words. for me. Gotcha. So you're yes. like, you want to make fun of my facial well, hair. I'm not even going to let your state into the country. Yes. That's exactly that some, how it That went. is some Sly Fox mm-hmm. style. They the didn't little call little me that for nothing. Uh, unfortunately, we only have time for uh, for one more question. Oh, no. um, or maybe we can slip in another one, you know. Just seeing. Uh, so after the war, uh, Sir Coward, you had a bit of a creative slump. Uh, you started acting in button. movies. Yes. Um, and you famously said no to some specific parts that would then go on to be huge. Uh, for example, you were offered to, par- to play the part of Dr. No yes. in the James Bond film Dr. No. Yes. And you turned it down, though. Yes. Why? Why did you do that? Well, you know, I felt very strongly that a part written for an Asian man should be played by an Asian man. I didn't very think progressive. it was fair or right am I, for am me I, to wear the yellow face. Am I also to believe that you turned down Tom Cruise's role in Top Gun? Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. And that's because the part specifically called for someone able to fly an F-15 fighter jet. And... While I can fly a Cessna and I can land a commercial fighter, I have never been behind the stick of a war machine of that magnitude. But can and I you thought play, it was dishonest. Can you play volleyball? Mm-hmm. That was the well, most important part of that whole movie. That was my audition. And if I do say so, I aced it. I didn't know that you had been offered the part, the Tom Cruise part in, oh, in, yes. uh, in Top Gun. Why, even today, look at these abs. That's very impressive. Yes. I, I would have been fine in the beach scenes, old boy. Don't make Shouting any mistake Pete. about that. <laughs> well, Shouting Pete in I had other nicknames. We haven't gotten to them, but I guess there's no time. Um, you also turned down the lead role in the movie Lolita. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Um, now, I'm, I'm hoping that you're not going to say 
that they should have hired a real pedophile for that part, and that's the no, no. But why again, I, I felt strongly that the part written for an Asian man should be played <laughs> by an Asian man. I don't think that the part of Humper Humper in in Lolita was an Asian man. You don't think so? Did I you audition Lo- for it? Lolita to me sounds like the name a, a leprechaun would have. <laughs> Yes, it does, doesn't it? But there's a whole story there. Apparently, we don't have time to go into. Mm-hmm. But, but there is. There's a lot going on in Hollywood with the leprechauns. I don't. It's a messy subject. But you know, so it's mostly that I didn't want to play an Asian man. I and understand. yes, it was Jared. It's I know so that's not weird. how it ended up on the screen, but yeah, it's so weird that you, they kept on offering you these parts to be Asian men, like Doctor No. What you're saying was the lead part in Lolita was an Asian man. Um, I, I I was told he w- he was offered the part opposite uh, Chris Tucker in in Rush Hour. <laughs> yes, I was, but you know I had a conflict of schedule. Mm. That one I would have done uh, again. I I was uncomfortable with the yellow face, but mm. what a script! And Chris Tucker, what a I mean, script. he is so funny. The chemistry there. Yes, would have I, been I would have done that one, but I had I was booked otherwise. Uh, you know, maybe we can slip one more question in under the radar, and this will be for President Van Buren. This will definitely be the last one we have time for. Uh, so you ran for president after you I were uh, you 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 were president. Uh, you were voted out of office. Yes, uh, and then you ran for president for, uh, a final time on the Free Soil ticket, which was an anti-slavery political party. Yes. And I'm wondering if there was any confusion in calling it the Free Soil Party and having it be an anti-slavery party. Because I just read, read that I was a little confused by that. What what confuses you? About it, it sounds like you're offering soil to people for free. Mm-hmm. Um, I read the justification of it being like, if you're on free soil, you should be a free person. But I'm wondering if anybody else at the time didn't make that connection. I think connection. the confusion there was that my message was that I wanted to free the soil. I see. People thought that I was anti-slavery. I mm. was not. I wanted to free the soil. I thought it was wrong that people had been walking on it for all of those years mm. without asking permission. Mm. I felt it was time for the soil to be free. You feel like people should have been more uh, getting consent from the soil before walking all over it. If you'll forgive me, and I don't mean to be overly critical, but I do think that the message on that one is a bit muddy. (laughs) That is that classic Noel Coward wit. I'm so glad we got to end on that delightful pun. Cheers. Uh, Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have. Uh, for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I would like to thank my guests, Noel Coward <laughs> and uh, President Van Buren, for joining me in the studio today. The pleasure was yours. Uh, I have one final question for you both. I know it's a little bit weird, but I'd like to end my show by asking my guests if they have anything they'd like to plug or a comedy show that they like or a funny Twitter account. Um, uh, President Van Buren, anything you want to tell people about? I would love to. There's a young stand-up comedian I've I've come to be aware of. He's half Indian, but the good kind of Indian. And his... Twitter and Instagram handles are at Adam Mamawala, M-A-M-A-W-A-L-A. Check that out. And uh, Sir Noel Coward, anything but you don't want? Don't you know I've been listening to a, a lovely podcast oh, yes. recently? Yes, it's called The Story Pirates Podcast, mm. and it's on Gimlet Media. It's delightful. They they take stories that children's write, and they make it into very Attractive children? <laughs> many times, yes. Many, many times. Uh, yeah, again, 2018, we should not be differentiating. Uh, I am your host, Jared Berenstein. Uh, you should come check out. We're doing a live episode of Famous Dead People on uh, Monday, May 7th at 8 p.m. at the Crane Theater. So please 
come out and check that out. That is uh, Monday, May 7th at 8 p.m. at the Crane Theater here in New York City. Uh, you can get all the information about that show and my other shows at jerrybarnstein.com. You can also see my improv team, Junior Varsity, every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the Magnet Theater. Uh, rate and review the podcast. Tell your friends. Hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We take suggestions on famous people to have on the show. Uh, we're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Famous dead people.